Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. You ever had um, one of those days when you show up for class at school and the teacher, professor says, I hope you're ready for the exam, and you think, I had no idea there was an exam. Uh, You didn't plan for it. Well, this morning, things that are happening that were not planned for. Uh, I got a call or a text at 7.30 this morning. Uh, Pastor Jay has pink eye, and he said, "Um, can you cover for me? And so I said, okay, Lord, um, it's you. It's not me. So someone asked me, who's preaching? I said, God is preaching, he's using me, but God is preaching. So let's, let's take it that way because, you know, I, um, I, I'm thankful for any time I can serve. And I thought, I told Connie this morning, even when I have time to prepare, I don't think I do a good job. So I don't know what you're getting this morning. So anyway, but I, I just believe the Lord has something for us. And I was really touched by Jay's sermon last week, and so I want to tie into that. Um, if our <laughs> projector will work for us. But uh, yeah, Pastor, Pastor Jay sent me his notes, but I can't do justice to what he was going to share with us. And so I, I will share, tying into what he shared last week, and some things struck me, and, and I've been on my heart for a while, and, and hopefully it'll be, a, it'll be a blessing to you as God uh, meets with us and speaks to us this morning. Um, but let me pray for us as we begin. Father, we commit this time to you. We, as your people, your children, have met together to hear from you. Thank you for the time of singing and and, and that part of the worship service, that we can sing our praises to you. And so now as we look into your word and by your Holy Spirit, open our our minds and our eyes and our hearts to hear and to receive what you have for us. Father, surely it'll be my voice they will hear, but I pray they will hear your heart and your message for your people here. Thank you for each one who has joined us, and may we, as we finish this time, say it has been good to be with the Lord's people in the Lord's house. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Many times I I don't do much with uh, technology because it keeps breaking on me. But I want to use this, look back at Jay's, some of Jay's sermon last week. He talked, if you remember, he started his sermon, he talked about Peter when he told Jesus he would never deny him. He said, uh, when, when Jesus told him, you know, Satan is wanting to sift you like wheat. He wants to, to separate you from me. And Peter said, I, Lord, I'm ready to go to death, go with you both to death, prison and to death. And Jay said, Peter was living in a fantasy land. He thought he would do anything. But we know shortly after that, Peter denied Jesus three times. And how many times do we live in a, a fantasy world saying, I'm willing to do this or that, or I, you know, I, uh, I'll do anything. And yet when, as we find as Peter did, when it came right down to the moment of, uh, of what he had to do, he, he took a different path. And in, in Pastor Jay's sermon, he said, uh, Peter was in a fantasy land. Much like the American church today, we are the perfect mix of naiveness, arrogance, conceitedness, self-righteousness, hero complex, and then we throw an idolatry cherry on top, 
he went on to say, everyone is selling you your best life now. But it looks nothing like the scriptures. And then the, the disciples got into the debate of who is the greatest in the kingdom. And they were looking as who is going to be over others. And Jesus said, no, the way to be great in my kingdom is to be the servant of all. So it says, he said, this statement he made really stuck with me, and I want to just go on that for a bit. He said, the, the, the fantasies that he's talking about are about comfort and safety in this life. But Jesus is everything but what we would call safe. I don't know how many of you have read the, the, the children's books, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, but if you've read them, there's, there's this powerful message. It, it, it shares the gospel through the stories. But there's one scene in the very first book uh, where the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, where the children have gone into Narnia. If you're familiar with the story, the children go to stay during the wartime in England with their relative. And while they're there, they find this magic wardrobe. And they go into it, it takes them to a different land. And in this land, it's a land that's winter all the time. Uh, and if and being in England at the time, winter was not a fun place. I mean, it, it went on forever. So for them, winter all the time would be a, a terrible place. So this land of Narnia was winter all the time. And they met these characters, and they were animals that could talk. And they were like, what's so surprised about animals that can talk? You know, they, they, the people who lived there thought, this is, this is normal. But they met this one couple, the two beavers, and they were hopeful that things were going to change and that the spring was going to come back and, and things were going to change. And, and one, the reason they were hopeful is there was a, a lion um, creature called Aslan. And Aslan was, is, a, um, uh, is, is a character that as we read the stories, realize he is, he is the Christ of the stories. He is the Savior. But in the story, the beavers are talking to the children and they're talking about Aslan. And so the children were listening, and they were so excited about Aslan coming and bringing spring back, and it's going to change. And so they were sharing that Aslan is this lion, and he's going to bring the hope back. He's going to bring things back and make it right. So one of the children said, Aslan, he sounds wonderful. Is, it, is he safe? And uh, the beaver said, haven't you been listening to what we told you? He's a lion. Of course he's not safe, but he's good. He's not safe, but he's good. I think for me, when I look at my life and following Christ, I could say it's true. There have been times when it's not been safe. It's been very uncomfortable, but it's been good. It's been good. And we look at our world today, we have this fantasy that God wants us comfortable and he wants us safe. And I often ask, is that true? There's a scripture, I don't know if it, it, we got it, I had to send it later this morning, but in Hebrews chapter uh, 12, verses 1 through 3, um, it talks about Jesus, <clears throat> it says, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, uh, it says, um, find it, therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and this is following chapter 11. If you know chapter 11, it talks about people of faith and how, what God did through them because of their faith. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and sins that easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, 
the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not lose, you will grow weary and lose heart. He said, let's consider Jesus. Look, all the people who were before us who kept the faith, they are our witnesses. They're watching us. They're, they're, they're before us. We can learn from them. But then he says, and let us run with race, with perseverance as race. Let's don't give up. And look at Jesus, what he suffered. He, he, he said, for the joy set before him. He knew what was coming. He, had, he knew what was awaiting him. And he said, for this joy, he could go through the cross and meet the pain and the, the shame of it. He could do that. And it wasn't comfortable. If we look at the life of Jesus, it's anything but comfortable. Anything but comfortable. But yet we get caught up in our lives looking for that comfort. And we do it at different times. You know, at my age, uh, I'm starting to think about uh, retirement. You know, what does retirement look like? You know, and you see these pictures of people laying on a beach somewhere or, you know, doing whatever they want to do. And uh, I thought, is that, is that what's ahead of me? I start, I start dreaming about that. Maybe if you're in school, you start dreaming about finishing school. What would it be like to, to be out of school and to actually have money in your pocket? Or maybe you're, you know, in a relationship and you're thinking, if I get married, you know, this would be great. Uh, and yet, I think, you know... What will it be like? Is it, is it next step better than what I have right now? Am I looking for comfort and safety rather than looking for Jesus in my life? You know, in our nation, we face a lot of challenges. We can all say, yeah, there's challenges. If you think, ask me, what is the greatest challenge? And people would have different thoughts about it. There's obviously violence in our nation. Families breaking down. There's a widening gap between the rich and the poor. There's escalating racial tensions, on and on and on. Uh, and uh, for those of you who have been following the news, they just released this report by Special Counsel Mueller. And uh, my wife was telling me that some people were so concerned for this, and so we're looking at this so much, they were older, elderly people, and they were afraid they were going to die before the report came out. I thought, that's crazy, you know, how will this report change your life? I mean, it, it's just a report, but it's, these are issues we face, and they're, 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 they're challenges we face. But I really believe as the church, as God's people, our greatest challenge we face is that many times we get more concerned about our material comfort and our safety than we do in truly following Jesus and being his witnesses in the world. Because the world around us pushes us that way. You know, you need to be comfortable. I, you talk to a lot of uh, young people and our hopes for our children. We hope that they will grow up and, 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 you know, go to school, get a good education so they can get a good job, so they can live comfortably, right? We don't want them to be struggling with the things we struggle with. We want them to be comfortable. In the past generations, especially those generations years ago that went through the Great Depression, their hope is, I don't want my children to have to struggle like that. I want them to have a, a better life. And we think of that better life, we think of a more comfortable life. And I don't think that's necessarily bad, but if that's our aim in life, we'll forget what we're here for. We'll forget what we're here for. I read a quote some years ago. I thought this was interesting. I'll share it with you by uh, John Stott, a former, uh, is a, a great Christian leader. He's passed away now, but in the U.K., 
<clears throat> but he said this, and I'll share, I'll just read the quote. He said, our Christian habit is to bewail the world's deteriorating standards with an air of rather self-righteous dismay. We criticize its violence, dishonesty, immorality, disregard for human life, and material greed. The world is going down the drain, we say with a shrug. But whose fault is it? Who is to blame? He went on to say, let me put it like this. If the house is dark when nightfall comes, there's no sense in blaming the house. That is what happens when the sun goes down. The question to ask is, where is the light? Similarly, if the meat goes bad and becomes inedible, there's no sense in blaming the meat. That is what happens when bacteria are left alone to breathe. The question is, where is the salt? Just so, if society deteriorates and its standards decline until it becomes like a dark night or a stinking fish, there's no sense in blaming society. That's what happens when fallen men and women are left to themselves. And human selfishness is unchecked. The question to ask is, where is the church? Why are the salt and light of Jesus Christ not permeating and changing our society? It is sheer hypocrisy, he says, on our part to raise our eyebrows, shrug our shoulders, or wring our hands. The Lord Jesus told us to be the world's salt and light. If, therefore, darkness and rottenness abound, it is largely our fault, and we must accept the blame. When I read that quote, it, was, it struck me really hard because it's like, yeah, I see things going bad, and, 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 and many times I want to run from that. And Jesus said, but I've called you to be the salt and the light in the midst of the deteriorating situation. Am I being that? Am I being that? As I said earlier, I don't, follow, I don't find following Jesus being very comfortable. Um, I mean, when you read what Jesus said, he talks about denying myself and taking up my cross. I don't see that as very comfortable. Or loving those who hate me. That's not very comfortable. Or blessing those who curse me. Or praying for those who mistreat me. Or turning the other cheek or going the extra mile. Or rejoicing in the midst of trials. There's nothing comfortable or even safe about that. I find joy in following Jesus. But no, it's not comfortable. When um, we lived overseas a number of years, we lived in some different places, and some were very difficult. Uh, and um, people would often ask us when we returned to the U.S. And, and share what we're doing, they would say, you must love living there. You must love living in this country or that country. And Connie and I would look at each other, and we would say, how do we answer that? What, how do we say, we, we love uh, following Jesus. We love going where he would take us. But no, we don't love the life that we live there sometimes, it's difficult, it's challenging, it's uncomfortable. And so I, I asked him, I thought, we started thinking, you think about the servicemen that go off to battle, they're set deployed to these really difficult places. We would never think about asking them, you've been three times, you must love going to battle. You must love going to those places. No, they go there for a purpose. They go, that's a battle. And many times we miss that in our Christian life. We think it's, it's not a battle, it's about going to where I love and what makes me comfortable, and we miss it. Paul in 2 Corinthians talks about his life. I think this is very interesting. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, from the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. 
Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleepless often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, and by, besides the other things, what, what comes upon me daily. He said, these were the things that I face. And there are other things that come up on me daily. I, I can't even mention here. But these are things. As I read this, and I'm thinking, many times I look at this and, you know, working with people who are trying to find their way in life, being a, a life coach or a job coach, if he came to me, Paul said, let me tell you about my life. He, he, he's told me, this is my life. I think in, as a, being in the U.S. and our view of life, many times I, I'd be tempted to say, Paul, you're in the long, wrong line of work. You need to change your work, man. This, this, is, this, is, this is not suiting you. I mean, you, if you keep doing this, this is going to kill you. And it did. It cost him his life. But he was willing to do it. And he, he didn't say this because he was complaining. He said, this is just reality. This is what my life is like. And yet we would say, no, no, don't go that way. Don't do that. Don't, 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 don't go that way. That, that, that's too dangerous. That's not comfortable. Because that's what we're after. After his resurrection, Jesus told his disciples what they would be doing. He called them in Matthew 8, 28, 18 to 20, and many of you have read this verse. Jesus said, Jesus came and spoke to them. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then he went on in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, but he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he said, you're going to be witnesses. You're going to take the gospel, make disciples to the ends of the earth. But if we read what happened in the first chapters of Acts, what did happen? We, we're told in Acts chapter 2 that the Spirit did come. And Peter preached that one day and 3,000 people came to repentance and faith. He says, the more they preached... As God's power was shown in miracles, more came to faith. And the church was growing in Jerusalem. It was growing very fast. They had some problems, some issues they had to work through, but it was growing. And it was going really well in Jerusalem. And even at one time, it says they, they had a, a period of peace and things were going well. But the problem was, Jesus didn't tell them just to go to Jerusalem. He said, go to the world. But I don't know what happened, but I read, I think, looking at my experiences, they got comfortable in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was good. I mean, look, it's a mega church. Things are great. Things are, things are going well. Look at what God's doing. But Jesus said, I didn't tell you to stay in Jerusalem. He said, I told you to go to Judea, Samaria, and to the rest of the world. And, but how, but, they, but they, weren't, they weren't moving that way very fast. They were staying in Jerusalem. They were, they were good there. So that they wouldn't get too comfortable in Jerusalem, what did Jesus do? Or what did God do? It says, in Acts chapter 8, it says that a great persecution broke out against the Christians. It says, and the believers were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So they weren't planning to go necessarily at that time. But Jesus said, I didn't tell you, call you to stay here. I told you to go. So he said, a persecution. They had to run. They had no choice. They had to run for their lives. So he, said, he told them, he said, you're going to be my witness in Judea and Samaria. 
So where did they go? They scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. He said, I'm going to get you out. I'm going to send you. So they went. Because I look at Jesus is more interested in getting the gospel out to the world than he was in the comfort of his followers in Jerusalem. I don't know about you, but I find in my own life, that's Jesus' interest. He, you know, uh, he, he, you know I, I struggle with that because I, I want to be comfortable. Maybe it's just part of being a, a human person. I want to be comfortable. I want, to, I want things to be comfortable for me. You know, and I keep, uh, keep struggling with that. Um, but uh, if I truly want to follow Jesus, and I've learned in my life, it won't be comfortable. In one way or another, it won't be comfortable. And we've learned living overseas, living in different places, even where we live right now. Uh, if, you, if you guys know where we live, we live about a mile and a half north of the church here. Uh, for me personally, it's not the most comfortable place in the world. We have a beautiful home, and I love my neighbors, but it's uncomfortable. And when we decided we wanted to move into the neighborhood, a lot of our friends across the city said, no, no, you, you can't go there. Uh, you know, that, 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 that neighborhood has a, a reputation. You can't go there. That's the worst place you want to go. Don't go there. And they were concerned for us, which I appreciate. They were concerned for our safety. But I felt like they were more concerned for my safety than in the gospel reached the people that we could maybe come in contact with. And as I said, the neighborhood has a reputation. We've, we've, we met that reputation head on. Within about a year and a half, uh, some young people, if, if, if those who know me and seen the truck I drive, uh, it's about 20 years old. Uh, it, that, it doesn't look the best, but I, I, right now I'm getting it painted, so I hope it'll look better. I don't know if it'll arrive any better, but it'll be painted anyway. But about a year and a half into we were there, some young people tried to carjack my car. You know, it's like, you want this old truck? But they tried to take it from me. Uh, and um, the, the, the hard thing was, it's, a, it's a, a stick shift, manual transmission. So when they jumped in it and tried to drive it, they were trying, almost breaking it. You know, they were grinding the gears. And I always want to say, wait, wait, let, let me drive for you. Where do you want to go? Let me, I, you know, don't, don't bring my truck. And then, um, and then when they realized they couldn't drive it, they just left it. So I'm standing on the side of the road watching this happen. And, um, and they left it, and, I, and they ran away. And I, I said, wait a minute, you left the car running? The doors are open? You know, why'd you? And then, then I, I went to get in my car, and um, I found one of the young people's... Um, uh, student ID on the, on the road. And so I picked it up. So I'm driving to my home, which is only about a half a block away, about a block and a half away. And I'm thinking, okay, now what do I do? Uh, I said, this is not good, going around taking people's cars and stuff. I thought, this, this is not a good thing. But I wasn't hurt. They didn't take anything from me. They didn't try to arm me anyway. They just wanted the car. So I, I, I said, well, I, I probably should go tell the police. This is not a good thing. So I went to the police station, and I told them, and it was really funny because you have flashbacks when you've lived in different places in the world, and the police said, why didn't you call me when you were on the side of the road and they were trying to take it? Your wife said, why didn't you call us? And I had my cell phone, and I said, I don't know, I guess I've lived in some parts of the world where you, you call the police and you say, hey, this is happening, and they'll say, great, can you come pick us up? We don't have a car. And so maybe I had a flashback. Maybe I was back there. So I was like, I couldn't, have, I couldn't get you here. So I didn't even think they could come. But uh, anyway, it just, that wasn't comfortable. That wasn't comfortable having that happen uh, to me. Uh, and it, but it's interesting. When it happened, it kind of brought us closer to our neighbors. Because as we share with our neighbors, many of them had had these things happen. So we, we could identify. 
Then a short time later, one Sunday morning, I wasn't feeling well. I was, I was staying home from church, and as I was uh, trying to rest, I heard a, something loud land on my, the roof of my house. So this is strange. So we have a back staircase to an upstairs part. So I walked around the back staircase, had a curtain over it, and I pulled the curtain back, and there was a young man standing right in front of me. And I knew the young man. He'd just been in my house the week before. And I said, well, what are you doing here? <laughs> and he bolted and went out. I found the window he came in on. So I thought, you know, obviously he wanted something in our house. But then I, so the next day, or that day, I fixed the window where it wouldn't be broken. But the next day, someone came in and stole some stuff from us. And that was not comfortable either. If you've had that happen, it's not comfortable. And maybe many of us have. Um, and then, not too long after that, um, we noticed some strange uh, charges on Connie's debit card. And um, she followed up on it and got the information. And somebody was ordering um, motorized parts and motorized a bicycle and shipping them across the street from us. And um, we, we said, we've had problems with this loud motorized bicycles, and we're paying for this <laughs> somehow. <laughs> They're using our debit card to pay for their bringing you know, all this noise, but that wasn't comfortable either. To realize someone stole our information to use it in this way. So it's interesting when um, the police came to investigate the break-in of our house, the young officer, he asked, he said, why do you live here? Why do you live here? So I said, well, we, we believe God wants us here. And then another neighbor, when Connie was out in the neighborhood once, he asked her, he said, what possessed you to buy a house in this neighborhood? And so we think about that. What, what did possess us? What, what is it that caused us to live the way we live? And I think I have to go back to that verse, for the joy set before us. Can I say that? For the joy set before me, I'm willing to do uncomfortable things. Maybe some things that are unsafe. Not being foolish, but that are unsafe. So that the people can hear the truth about Jesus. You know, and, and sometimes you, you think, is it making a difference? Is it really, do people really care? Um, this week I had an interesting experience. I guess last week we have a, a young man who lives in our neighborhood. Many of you have met him, uh, John. Uh, he's about nine years old. We've known him about five years now. But uh, he came over and we had a group of college students we were working with for t two weeks. So I was running all over and uh, he came up to the door and he said, he wanted me to play football with him. I said, no, I can't play. I'm I said, I'm moving. And what I meant to say, I'm, I'm moving in different directions. I'm all over. And he, his eyes got really big. He said, you moving? And I said, no, no, I, I'm just busy. He goes, oh, I thought you were moving. And so I thought at least that was an encouragement. He, he wants me there to play football with him, if nothing else. But many times in our lives, we lose focus, you know, of things. And, and, and even still the feeling of being uncomfortable because... We are so different than our neighbors that we live or live among. We're so different. And yet we believe God wants us there. Um, and I noticed this uh, some, some months ago. I, there's a couple of young men in the neighborhood I, I got to know. And so I wanted to invite them. I think one of them was, was their birthday or something. I said, let's go to the, the University of North Florida football, a basketball game. And they were excited. So I got some tickets and the nights to go or the day before I went to find them. So I was walking through our neighborhood. And I hadn't been out in our neighborhood a little bit walking, and I just had this uncomfortable feeling. This doesn't feel very comfortable. You know, there's people looking at me, watching me, or, you know, I don't know what's happening, but I didn't feel very comfortable. And so in my mind, I thought, let me just go quickly to their house, see them, and then run back to my 
little comfortable spot. My, my, my little house, my house there has become comfortable to me. So let me run back there. So as I was going through that, I, I felt like God was beginning to talk to me. And he was saying, you know what? I didn't bring you here to get comfortable. I brought you here to tell people about me, to be my witness. And I said, yeah, but, God, but, but I like to be comfortable. And he said, no, I didn't bring you here to be comfortable. I brought you here to be my witness. And I don't know about you, um, but I, 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 I struggle with that many times. I think, you know, I, I can be more comfortable. I, and you know, as I said, at my age, I'm looking toward retirement. I've got friends of mine who've retired. And they're sending me pictures of places they're going and things they're doing. It looks pretty comfortable. It looks pretty enticing. Because I, 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 I'm not called you to do that. I've called you to, to be my witness. Are you willing to be my witness and forsake your comfort? Is that what it's meaning when he says to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me? But I think we all agree that in our society it's a struggle. It's a struggle. Because our society really pushes us toward comfort, to be comfortable and safe. Earlier I read the passage um, where Jesus in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, he says, he told them, this is my commission. This is what I want you to do as I leave. And he says, in scripture, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And as in our church now, we're beginning the squads. And I've been really encouraged. I've been talking to people and saying, are you in the squad? And some have said, yeah, I'm leading a squad. I've never done this before. And it's very uncomfortable. And I'm afraid. I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm going to do this. I'm going to lead a squad. I'm going to be in the squad. I'm going to do this. And that is so encouraging. Because to me, that's, that is what it means to go and make disciples. I'm going to put myself out there. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but, but I'm going to believe that the guy's going to use me. So that's been very encouraging. So I just say, keep it up. Keep going in, in uncomfortable places to see what, how God can use you. But sadly, I think, as I read that scripture, in our U.S. society, we would change. If we, if we had an American version of the same passage, it may sound something like this. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. We would turn and say, okay, then we will stay, therefore, in our secure and comfortable homes, in our neighborhoods, our churches, our countries, and we will make disciples of all those we come in contact with, beginning with our own children, but we will baptize them, not in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we'll baptize them in self-indulgence, self-love, and selfishness, teaching them to observe only what supports these values. And soon, Jesus, we won't need you at all. Because I find for my own self, when I, with it really in my heart, if I get comfortable enough, I really don't need Jesus. I need Jesus when I'm uncomfortable. I need Jesus when I'm Things are not safe. That's when I need him. And if I'm really honest, and I'm striving after comfort, I'm striving after a time when I feel like I can be in control, and I can be the one that calls the shots in my own life. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this morning. Um, thank you for 
your call upon our lives, that you have called us out from among this world to not follow the, uh, the patterns of this world, to not uh, be like the world around us, even though we live in the world, and we thank you that you've called us out of the world. And you've called us, and you said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, and, we can, and you give us the power to do that. So I pray that each of us here would say, we don't want to be comfortable as much as we want to follow you and do what you've called us to. And give us wisdom how to walk that out each day in our lives. Uh, and knowing that there's a temptation always around us to strive after comfort. Because I think looking at scripture and, and life, you, you've created us for heaven. And then we will find our true comfort there. But help us to realize we'll never find it here. So thank you, Father. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we invite you to come and, and share in communion with us as we celebrate the union we have with Christ our Lord and the call he has upon our lives. So. Uh,